Welcome to Britt David Podcast, as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of the book of 2 Timothy, with a message entitled, Saved to Serve, from 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. The 2080 rule says that 20% of the people at church do 80% of the work of the church. That is not the way that God designed His church to operate. He has equipped every born-again believer so that each one of us has been saved to serve. Here's Pastor Tim. Hey, let me draw your attention for just a minute as we get started to your screen. Uh, you ever see ever seen an employee at Sam's wear a vest like this? Um, have you ever seen one who seems to be telling the truth? <laughs> Sorry, I, I have to tell you, I have. I, I have met her. We um, we had to go to Sam's. This was a good bit before Christmas, and um, and needed some help from one of the workers, and stopped and asked them. Uh, she stopped what she was doing. She didn't even make a sigh. <sighs> you know, I mean, she just stopped what she was doing. She smiled. She made pleasant conversation. She took us right where we needed to go, went the extra mile to help. And anyway, on the way, I noticed the back of her vest, happy to help. And I thought, you really are, aren't you? You know, that's really good. I, I like that. In fact, what I, what I thought about immediately was, that's the kind of employee that every boss wants, isn't it? That's the kind of church member that every community needs. Somebody who genuinely is happy to help. You know, in the, uh, when you go to the workforce, you go to some kind of store, and, you know, and I wouldn't pick out uh, any one particular store more than another, uh, but sometimes you wonder if those folks are happy that they have a job, you know? And then you find that one, you find that gem, you know, that's in there. Suddenly it just, it just changes everything, doesn't it? Well, there's enough folks that seem to be sour when it comes to church and kind of take on that perspective in our community. So when you find a church member who genuinely seems happy in their walk with Jesus, who genuinely seems happy to serve, you know that you have found somebody that's super special. Sadly, too many times we talk about the, the 2080 rule. You know what that is in church, right? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, I have to tell you, I think it's more like the 1090 rule, <laughs> to be honest, but I'm going to leave that alone for a minute. I'll just tell you, tell you this. The thing about 20% of the people doing 80% of the work or 10% of the people doing 90% of the work or whatever that is, that's just not right, is it? It's, it's certainly not the way that God intended it. Now, it may be the Baptist way, but that's not really God's way. He has equipped every born-again believer to serve Him by serving through their church, through their church family. So there's something that you are uniquely crafted to do that really nobody else can do like you can do. And I want you to know that we are indeed saved to serve, and we ought to be just like that worker at, the, at Sam's. We ought to be happy to help when it comes to it. Let's look at our verses tonight. We're in 2 Timothy, chapter number 1, picking up where we left off last week. I'm not going to do to you what I did to you this morning. Instead, we're going to look at two verses today, and we're going to take even that first verse very, very slow. In fact, if you'll look with me there in verse number 6, the very first word is therefore. 
Now, depending on the translation that you're reading, your translation may say, for this reason. For what reason? What's the reason? What's he, what's he, what's he grasping at? What is the, as we would say from time to time, what is the therefore, therefore? It's there for this. Let me go ahead and give you this very first point today, tonight. I want to share with you three things I want you to be sure of. And the first one's this. Be sure that you're saved before you serve. Be sure that you're saved before you serve. When he talks about the therefore, he talks about this reason. The reason points us back to verse number five. You know, sometimes you go all the way back to the beginning of the paragraph, all the way back to the beginning of the chapter, all the way back to the beginning of the book. This time we're really just going to verse number five, where Paul says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am persuaded is in you also. In other words, what Paul is saying is, Timothy, I look at you and I see a genuine believer. You know, when I think about a Christian, and I think about Timothy, I think about those two things being together. Timothy, I see your faith. I see it in your actions. I hear it in your words. I am persuaded. That's a great word. I am persuaded. I am convinced that you are a genuine believer. Now, why is it important for us to begin this way? Because there are some folks who just want to jump into church and begin finding something to do without really finding that relationship that they have with Jesus. Don't get the two things mixed up. Your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with church can be two very different things. There are some who really don't have much of a relationship with Jesus. They don't spend time with Him and His Word during the week. They don't look for opportunities to serve. They're, they're, they're not praying much during the week. In fact, when Sunday comes around, maybe they have to go hunting their Bible. You know? It's not that they're really connected with Him. But boy, when they come to church, they got a job, and they got somebody that they sit with, and they, I mean, they're all in when it comes to church. That's okay. But it just doesn't solve the ultimate problem, does it? The ultimate problem is my sin. And I need a Savior. And the, all the service in the world will not get rid of my sin. No matter how hard I work, I cannot undo what I have already done. I can't pay for my own sin. I need to be sure that I'm saved first. And then service comes. You probably know this verse, but maybe you want to jot it down. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. We usually just kind of stick with verses 8 and 9, but you got to get 10 in there too. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he preordained that we should walk in them. Make sure that you get the order right. You see, the person that comes in gangbusters into church and thinks that if they're here all the time and if they serve and if they give and if they do, that God looks upon them with favor and somehow they will earn this gift of salvation. 
They got the train all backwards. All the cars are mixed up when it comes to those verses. There's a specific order. Just like there's a specific order of trains, you know? You got to have the engine first. You got to have the other cars next. You got to have the caboose last. Well, the train just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So what are the three things in that verse? It is, we are saved by grace, right? We are saved through faith. And then in verse 10, we are saved for good works. That's the order. We have to make sure that that order stays intact. I know that I know that I have been saved. I know it. I mean, I know it. I don't have any doubt whatsoever, not anymore. God has settled that in my heart. I know that I'm a Christian. So now what? If that verse is right, if he has saved me for good works, if he has saved me to serve, then I want to know what he wants me to do. Right? That leads me then to number two. So if I want to be sure that I'm saved before I serve, then secondly, I want you to be sure that you serve by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Or you could even say, serve by His strength. You know? Because what I mean is this. Even when I'm saved, I don't just suddenly say, okay, now I... I all right, I want to find something to do, and I'm going to find it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to give it the very best I've got. I'm going to give it all of my energy, all my creativity, all of my innovation. I'm going to give it everything I got. And boy, I'm going to be the best servant the Lord ever had. Well, not if you're not doing what he's called you to do. Not if you're not, if you're not doing what he's equipped you to do. Not if you're not doing what he's going to bless you in your doing. I want to make sure that what I'm doing is what the Spirit of God wants me to do through the life of the church. All right, grab a hold of this. This one might knock your socks off. God doesn't want you to do everything. Tim, God does not want you <laughs> to do everything. It's a hard one. That's a hard one for some of us to get through right here, isn't it? God doesn't want you to do everything. God's not equipped you to do everything. If God equipped you to do everything, then what's he need the rest of us for? We are a body whose members all work together and fit together. And you say, Tim, I've heard all that. I know all that. You're not telling me something that I don't already know. Well, good. Look back at your verse. All right, we're not going to go much further. Therefore, I remind you. I remind you. I mean, you say, you know these things. Well, guess what? Timothy knew these things too. Paul thought it so important as he's beginning to talk to Timothy about how to pastor this church that now has become difficult for him. In these, in these three years that have passed now from the time that he wrote 1 Timothy, when Timothy first got to Ephesus, and now at the end of Paul's life, when he gets there, things are not as easy. The honeymoon period for Timothy is over. In fact, after this letter, Timothy himself is going to jail. These are some difficult times, and so he, he wants to make sure, Timothy, as you're pastoring this church, remember 
You don't do everything. And remember that you don't do anything in your own strength. And Timothy's saying, well, I already know that stuff, right? This is, this is like church work 101. You're not, I mean, you're not telling me anything new. Listen, there's not really anything new, is there? I like what Evie Hill used to say. If it's new, then it probably ain't true. And if it's true, then it probably ain't new. You know? I mean, I'm not telling you anything tonight that you don't already know that you haven't already heard. Therefore, I remind you. Let me remind you. Let me remind you to be sure that you serve according to the power of the Spirit of God. Not trying to serve in your own strength. Not trying to serve in the best way that you know how. But to serve by the Spirit. And when I say that, I really mean two things specifically. Number one, when we serve by the Spirit, we recognize that it's the Spirit that lives within us. You know, he's going to talk about in just a minute, he's going to talk about the gift of God. The greatest gift of God is His Spirit that lives inside of you. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside of your life, inside of your body even. That's why, that's why when we read it in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, your body, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Why is your body the temple of the Holy Spirit? Because your, your, your body is so immaculately made and kept? No. It's because the Spirit of God lives in there. That's why it's His temple. He lives there. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit begins at the moment that you say yes to Jesus and will last it for the rest of your natural life. He's not going to leave you. He's always there. So we say that we're serving by the Spirit. I recognize the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He's the one who helps me to understand the Scriptures. He's the one that convicts me of my sin. He's the one that provides me with direction. He's the one that guides me into all truth. I want to listen to Him. I want to follow Him. It's His presence that really makes all the difference in the world, isn't it? It's His presence. Secondly, it's not just His presence with a C. It's His presence with a T, <laughs> you know? Because when He comes in, He comes in bearing gifts. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman when He comes to your house, <laughs> right? He doesn't come empty-handed. He comes with at least one gift. We refer to them as spiritual gifts, Paul refers to him in verse number 6 as the gift of God. What is that gift that you have? That's how you're, that's how you're serving. We say that you're serving by the Spirit. We mean that that gift now that He's given to you, that's how you serve. That's the motivation that you need. That's the power and the strength that you need. It's also the direction that you need. You know? If you know what your spiritual gift is, in all likelihood, you know the natural outlet for that gift. You know where you're supposed to be. We're going to talk about those things again before we're through. But just know that it is the enabling, empowering presence of the Spirit of God through His spiritual gifts that gives us the ability to serve. 
Don't serve just because I have time. Don't serve just because I want to. Don't serve just because the church seems to need me. Serve because the Spirit of God lives inside of me and directs me to serve that way. In your Bible, there are four specific passages that talk about spiritual gifts. Okay? It's Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. Those are the four places where you're going to find a listing of gifts. And the interesting thing is, is that when you go to those uh, lists, you discover that the lists are very different. In fact, there's really only one particular gift that gets listed in three of those passages. For the most part, they are very different. In fact, I don't think any of them necessarily are exhaustive. I think it's simply uh, in, in, as Paul writes, or or uh, yeah, as as Paul writes into those, or as Peter writes in in his, he's writing to that audience to help them understand about spiritual gifts according to the needs that that particular church has. But one thing is true and common in all four of those uh, settings. Every one of them goes out of their way to say, every one of you has been given a spiritual gift. You know? Spiritual gifts, even though it's only listed in four different places, is not set up as an us and them. It's not the haves and the have-nots. It's everybody is the haves. And it makes sure to tell us everybody has those spiritual gifts. Maybe you want to write these down. Um, or just kind of take them into your, into your mind there for just a second. Romans chapter 12. In this case, it's verse number 3. In verse number 3, the Bible says, God has dealt to each one, to each one, a measure of faith. And then he begins to list out all those gifts. All right? In the First Corinthians 12 passage, I actually got a couple of them for you, but let me give you verse number 7 first. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So he's given it to everybody so that everybody else gets to take advantage of that or benefit from that. And then once again, he lists the particular gifts. In the Ephesians 4 passage, it's verse number 7. He says, but to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he talks about spiritual gifts in terms of the office or some, some uh, job that you may hold within the life and fellowship of the church. Then there's 1 Peter chapter 4. More loosely tied together than the rest of those. But even him, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says, as each one has received a gift, <laughs> minister it to one another. Use it, is what he's saying. So in all of those cases, everybody, if you're a born-again believer, if you have Christ in your heart, if you have the Holy Spirit of God living in your body, in your life, you've been given a spiritual gift, at least one, right? It could not be more clearly stated to me than this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse number 11. I think it's the most important one of them all. He says, But one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
works all these things. Now, this is after the listing of the gifts. So he's listed all these gifts. He says, it is the same Holy Spirit who works out all of these gifts, who, who does everything about this, who uses you in that capacity. And this is what he says. Distributing to each one individually as he wills is according to the will of God that you have been gifted. And it is the Spirit of God who delivers that gift to you. It's his that way. It's yours. For what reason? For what reason does God give us these spiritual gifts? That you might serve God by serving others. I mean, it's, it's not hard. It's not, let me say, it's not rocket surgery, right? <laughs> this isn't hard for us. He saved you so that you might serve. He has equipped you so that you might serve. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia. 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.